Oh boy, here we go again. He does not stop. No, he doesn't. The man is relentless. Yeah. And it is, it's great content. Don't get me wrong. It's an absolute goldmine. It pays the bills. Lady, he's putting my kid through college. But does it feel good? No. Rather have it not to not talk about this. Yeah, I would still probably rather choose the alternate timeline where Twitter doesn't get bought by someone seemingly doing everything in their power to destroy it. All to just impress Ian Miles Chong, apparently. Yeah. But that's the timeline that we're in. So, yeah, the world's richest man did some more dumb, really, really dumb stuff. Fascinatingly dumb stuff. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about it. So last we checked, I don't know, what, five days ago, uh, the situation was not good. Advertisers were fleeing like rats from a sinking ship, thanks not only to just the sheer amount of unbridled hate speech clogging up the timeline from randos with Hitler avatars, but also the fact that Elon Musk himself was seen engaging with and agreeing with some of that same hate speech. And you'd think that losing a ton of revenue in direct response to Elon publicly endorsing the anti-Semitic Great Replacement Theory would be cause for self-reflection. But no, Elon simply flew over to Israel for, a, you know, just a couple of hours to hang out with Benjamin Netanyahu. And then, well, upon his return, I guess he didn't really learn anything because he went out to endorsing Pizzagate in the cool. year almost 2024. Wow. Pizzagate. Remember that one? It's back. But hey, at least it's not blatantly anti-Semitic. You got to go a little bit further down the rabbit hole until you get to the part about how it's the Jews who are trafficking all the children. But that's because Pizzagate, for those who don't remember, was basically the prequel to QAnon. A bunch of dumbass channers combed through WikiLeaks emails from Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman and concluded that a popular Washington, D.C. pizza restaurant had a bunch of kidnapped children in its basement. The whole thing kind of fell apart when a dude with a gun showed up to rescue those children and discovered the place didn't even have a basement. But here we are, six years later, and Elon Musk is telling his 164 million followers that Pizzagate is real. How could Media Matters do this? They're so crafty, those Media Matters people, always making Elon Musk personally endorse crackpot conspiracy theories that advertisers hate. And ones that have already turned violent. Yeah, no, that's another thing. It's like, oh, Pizzagate, who cares? No, a guy literally showed up with a fucking gun and yeah. fired off a couple rounds. Like, no one got hurt, but like, this specific one has already, years ago, demonstrated uh, the capacity to cross over into real life. And that was without the help of someone who has, regardless of how many are bots or not, 100 million followers yeah. or so. So actually, it's even dumber than Elon Musk simply endorsing a dangerous, totally debunked conspiracy theory. It's Elon Musk endorsing a dangerous, totally debunked conspiracy theory based on literal disinformation. Mm -hmm. uh, the meme that Elon posted under the caption, does seem at least a little suspicious, is a conversation between the offices Michael and Pam. Pizzagate is real. No, it isn't. We have experts. They trafficked children. But we have experts. Your expert just went to jail for child porn. And then Elon followed that up with a link to uh, the big news that he was referencing, which is an NBC News article about a former ABC News journalist pleading guilty to possession of child porn. So checkmate. Mm -hmm. Except uh, this guy literally never covered Pizzagate. He's not an expert. There's no connection whatsoever. It's just a man pleading guilty to that. And that's it. Yeah. So... Uh, Checkmate. And yeah, it would seem that Elon probably just saw this post from one of his $8 checkmark users 
featuring a clearly photoshopped headline and decided, yep, it's true, time to spread the word. How could Media Matters keep doing this? Ah! Making Elon post such they're, things. They're too powerful, Media Matters. Yeah. So, hey, probably advertisers not going to be rushing back anytime soon. No. But any doubts that they might have had about their decision have been taken care of. Have no fears. It's especially sad news for Lindy Ocarino, though, the actual CEO of X, who was brought on specifically because of her years in the ad business. Even in the face of catastrophe, she's doing her part by posting shit like this. Let's talk turkey! Four million posts about Thanksgiving yesterday. Up 25% since last year. The top emoji? Of course, the turkey one. It all happens on X. It all happens. On X. She inadvertently made one of the funniest attachments to any tweet going forward. Whenever anything bad happens. It all happens on X. (laughs) It's all here. The good, the bad, the ugly. (laughs) It all happens on X. Mm -hmm. One thing that increasingly does not happen on X, however, is advertising, at least from reputable brands. And here's the New York Times last week with some analysis on all of that. X, the social media company formerly known as Twitter, could lose as much as $75 million in advertising revenue by the end of the year, that's this year, the Mm -hmm. one with one month left, as dozens of major brands pause their marketing campaigns after its owner, Elon Musk, endorsed an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory this month. Internal documents viewed by the New York Times this week show that the company is in a more difficult position than previously known, and that concerns about Mr. Musk and the platform have spread far beyond companies including IBM, Apple, and Disney, which paused their advertising campaigns on X last week. The documents list more than 200 ad units of companies from the likes of Airbnb, Amazon, Coca-Cola, and Microsoft, many of which have halted or are considering pausing their ads on the social network. $75 million in a month. Flush. The article also correctly notes that Elon Musk could not have picked a worse time (laughs) to scare away all the advertisers since Q4 is, of course, the biggest shopping season of the year when brands run the most ads. So, masterful gambit once again, sir. And they also point out that many of these advertisers pulled their ads on or after the day when Elon called the Great Replacement Theory the actual truth. So that case against Media Matters is even flimsier than originally thought. Linda really has to work. He should sue himself. (laughs) Yeah. Ha! I've got him. The guy who was responsible for all this takes a mask off. It's me! So yeah, of course, Linda has her work cut out for her. The only possible way out of this death spiral is if Elon can simply shut the fuck up long enough for Lindy Ocarino to personally get down and kiss the feet of every Fortune 500 marketing director and hopefully make them forget that it's Elon who's really running the show. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. It's me. Yes. You know me, Linda. That's obviously the best course of action. The worst course of action right now would be for Elon to go up on stage at some, I don't know, big business summit and tell all of the advertisers, some directly to their faces, to go fuck themselves. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But go fuck yourself. <laughs> is that clear? I, I hope it is. Hey, Bob. 
here in the audience. Well, well let me ask you then. That's how I feel. Don't advertise. Okay, I guess he's telling the advertisers to go fuck themselves. I guess that's the plan. Masterful gambit, sir. And yeah, that's actually not even the most insane part of that clip. We just showed you the beginning. It gets so much weirder. The next part is honestly a fascinating look into Elon's psyche. And he is not seeming real normal these days. He is, no. I, something is going on. When I viewed this video, I assumed that he was drunk because that how it, that's how it feels. And I know he can hide behind the uh, the public speaking thing and it, it seems like no, he's drunk. Or the, I don't think he can blame autism, this is on autism. Uh, th this is something else. This is like, this is a guy who has not slept in weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this next part, it's a fascinating look into what makes Elon tick and sort of how he sees the world. Also, the host uh, points out that Linda is in the room while all this is happening, right? I think in the first row, which is crazy. I wished so much that there was a reaction shot, but you know, she's still good at her job. She probably was just like, sports, hot yeah. dog. It all happens on X. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, here you go. I mean, Linda uh, no, Yaccarino's right here, and she's uh, got to sell advertising. Uh, absolutely. So, um, no, no, totally. So, so no, no, actually, what, what this advertising boycott is, uh, is, is going to do, it's, it's going to kill the company. And you think that the company... And the whole world will know that those advertisers killed the company, and we will document it in great detail. But there are, those advertisers, I imagine, are going to say... They're going to say, we didn't kill the company. Oh, yeah? They're going to say... Tell it to, the, tell it to Earth. But they're going, to say that, they're going to say, Elon, that you killed the company because you said these things and that they were inappropriate things and that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform, right? That's, see, that's and, what and they're going to say. And let's see how Earth responds to that. So, okay. So, wow. And yeah, that's right after the interviewer is trying to steer this ship, trying to get Elon to, okay, the advertisers are gone. Maybe talk about, uh, you know, pivoting away from the advertiser revenue model into something else. I do love the very subtle but noticeable reaction from the moderator when Elon directly targets people in the crowd. He just kind of goes... Yeah, he's having... <laughs> just a kind of holds his mouth. He's having a bad time. Also, Elon, it's... Uh, I don't remember the, the interviewer's name. He's like a prominent guy. And Elon's like, hey, man, we've known each other for a long time. John... He just it's, gets his name wrong completely. Yeah, it, I think it's Andrew Ross Sorkin. He's like, uh, uh, it's, it's Andrew, by the way. And we have known each other for about 20 years. We're best friends. But uh, yeah, Elon, he's like, okay, maybe there's a, okay, so you lost all the money, maybe, but you got a plan for like turning the ship around with, I don't know, subscriptions or something. And Elon's like, no, we will literally go out of business thanks to this advertiser exodus. We have no plan for avoiding that outcome, except, I don't know, I guess just making the advertisers feel bad about it. He takes zero personal responsibility, and he says that the failure of his business is the fault of other companies not giving him the money that I guess he's entitled to. Well, it's very interesting logic. Luckily for everyone except for Elon, there is a day-to-day -day documented series of events that have yeah. happened since he took control of the company. It, it, it's, I guess... It's going to fail. He, it's, it seems pretty. The writing is right on now. the wall, and it has been. And uh, and when it happens, it will not be the fault of Elon Musk. It'll be the fault of all those advertisers who everyone else who very uh, sneakily and immorally, um, you know, pulled their advertising from X 
advertising that you know was the right thing to do. They mm-hmm. should have done that advertising, what's, and they did it, and they killed it. What's even crazier uh, is that some of the brands that did their humanitarian pause <laughs> on Twitter uh, yeah. were th- just the day before Elon did the interview were coming back, like, yeah, like doing okay, it on pause. Right. Like, right, the yeah. dust has settled a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's, it's, it, we're getting into the holiday season. We kind of would like people to know what we're putting out there. And then immediately, yeah, immediately. It's, it's an insane strategy he, to declare it's war. It's not a strategy at it's all. It's not. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's what's insane about it. It's it like, seems like he really was flying off the cuff with this. He, he had had enough during this interview. He was sick of being asked about it and was like, you know what, fuck you. It's another one of those things that's like completely counter to like any logic mm-hmm. and seems like he's only doing it to get the approval of, of like the dumbest, the shittiest people, yeah. people around who are going to be like, that was so sick. And that's that's one thing is <laughs> like, like you, can, what? you can look at this and be like, okay, all of the other context around, about this guy, everything else that we know about him and the platform and where it's going. Someone who's a big CEO or whatever telling advertisers that they're not needed, get out of here, okay. in some cases would be looked at positively by If you had a, a user. plan. Exactly. <laughs> but with him, he's very clearly just running this into the ground intentionally and will blame it on everybody else but himself. Yeah. And so he's riling up his base to say, look, you want to know who your em- enemy is? It's these fuckers right here. But it, it's suicidal. It's, it's, yeah. it's kamikaze shit. Well, he thinks he's shit. being a martyr. I guess, but like, what? I he, mean, the, it, this man is so fucking high on his own supply. Like, he only sees it that way. Well, when, it's like, hard for everyone, him. except for like his diehard cult members, is like, what the fuck are you doing? Even the, the guy on stage is clearly just like, yeah, what he wants the him fuck to shut is up. happening? But what I'm saying is, it's easy for Elon to believe that he's the main character because, A, he's made himself into that. He's put himself in yeah. a position where he says anything and it, immediately everyone's going to have to listen because. There's a lot of shit that rides on this guy. There's diminishing B, returns on that, though. But but B, anytime there's a major geopolitical event, uh, he somehow shows up. Yeah, the, with the, the tiniest uh, flak jacket yes, you've ever seen. But he went to the southern border, he, and now he's gone to Israel. Yeah. Like, where are we going to send him? He now? is a CEO of a social media platform and a car company. Yeah, it's very, very weird. Yeah. It's all weird. But he thinks he's saving the planet or something. I guess. Yeah. I, I, the only thing I can think about the the Israel visit is like, I mean, he he telegraphed this. He he was like, actions speak louder than words. It's like, okay, but you've just spent months yeah. saying the words, and then you went there for like a photo op. And it is it's it's funny not just for Elon, but it's it's also funny for just it's the greatest the best example of like how completely mangled the definition of anti-Semitism yeah. has gotten in especially just like the past few weeks of just like, well, he went to Israel. How could he be anti-Semitic? Yeah. That's like the least anti-Semitic thing you can do is go to Israel and like hang out with the IDF. It, it, <laughs> okay. I, I cannot, and we we do this for a living, and I cannot believe what I'm seeing on a daily yeah, basis. Yeah, no, this shit, when this shit went on my timeline, it was like, I, I first I saw like people quoting it, and I was like, oh, that's what? And then I watched the clip. I was like, "Holy shit! This is crazier." And than- it was broadcast on CNBC live. Yeah, with the F word and everything. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Well, the FCC is going to be. They're not going to let him be. No. But yeah, I guess when you're used to people just giving you money for literally nothing, people not giving you their money feels like oppression. Yeah. And that's not an exaggeration. The only reason Elon's car company Tesla is even still in business is thanks to people giving him money 
for literally nothing. Yeah. And I'm not even talking about like the green energy credits or whatever. Um, this week, the folks at Jalopnik very helpfully reminded us all about something that we had completely forgotten about. The second gen Tesla Roadster. This car was announced six years ago, before even the Cybertruck, in November 2017, with a bunch of crazy specs and a release date of 2020 that obviously uh, came and went without even a prototype or any further information on the car. They, I, I think they're kind of just banking on people forgetting that they announced this. Yeah. But yeah, at the time, there was a thousand slots to pre-order the Founders Edition of the car by paying $250,000 up front. That adds up to $250 million, plus probably a lot more than that from everyone who chose to simply put down $50,000 to secure a place in line. Mm. Literally money for nothing. Nothing to even show for Like it. that cruise. And it, it, I guess it couldn't have come at a better time, as Jalopnik explains here. From Q1 2017 through Q1 2018, Tesla was losing $7,430 per minute. The company was just figuring out how to get Model 3 production up and running, and that cost a whole lot of money. Elon Musk admitted that the company was less than a month from bankruptcy at the time. If you're a company in dire straits and cash is key to your survival, You'll do anything to get your hands on some, right? Would you make up some specs about some new product and pass a hat around the room to get some deposits for your wildly unrealistic promises? The Tesla Semi event at which the Roadster was launched might have been the turning point for the company. Rather than selling off some of his ownership of the company, Musk sold promises at $250,000 a piece and has yet to honor them. Tesla had a Kickstarter campaign and it is not delivering perks. <laughs> That quarter billion just for the Founders Edition cars probably helped the company quite a bit, and there's no telling how many $50,000 deposits the company got and still holds. Much the same way Starbucks isn't really a coffee company, Tesla isn't really a car company. Tesla is a promise company. It makes promises to its customers, various governments, and other businesses. Those promises require upfront payment, and whether they come to fruition or not, the company keeps the money while continually blowing through deadlines. The same goes for the Cybertruck. Yeah. Like that deliveries are starting. Uh, by the time this video airs, they'll be starting in the morning. It's Thursday, I believe yeah, they go yeah. out. Still no mention on how many that exactly is. No, it's, there's 10. Oh. 10 people are getting Cybertrucks. Well, so what happens to the presumably millions of others or hundreds of thousands of others that pre-ordered this truck? Well, uh, they will presumably be a little less uh, upset and a little less antsy now that they've seen, hey, they're rolling off. I was thinking about withdrawing my deposit, but you know what? There it is. It's a Cybertruck. Yeah. And maybe I'm next in line. So Elon can keep my money interest-free. See what's happening in Sweden? We're going to talk about okay, it. Okay, good. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So this business model of people handing over huge amounts of money as basically an interest-free loan with no deadline is something that Tesla has done for other cars. And, and one of those cars, the Cybertruck, is finally being delivered to customers this Friday, four years after people put down their pre-order deposits. In the case of the Cybertruck, the deposit was just $100, but within a week, they added up to nearly $1.5 million, which is a nice little cash injection. Mm -hmm. And now, those people will be finally getting their cars, or at least uh, 10 of them will. That is the total number of Cybertrucks being taken home this week. 10, 10 Cybertrucks. And, and we're just going to assume that those 10 people have, at this point, been briefed on how much money they'll actually owe for the damn thing, because... Nobody else has. We have no goddamn clue what this fucking thing costs, and it is launching in less than 24 hours. Uh, typically, from what I've read, Tesla employees get first crack, so this might be another kind of inside dealing thing? 
It's just like, yeah, don't worry, just pay, I don't know, $500 yeah. a month or something. And the we'll cool figure thing it out is, later. The cool thing is you literally work at Tesla, so when this thing breaks down constantly, yeah. you just bring it into work, we fix it, we send you on your way. Yeah. You're basically doing free advertising for us. Um, so. We are going to need your dental records and fingerprints so we can delete them in case this explodes on the road. Yeah. Makes it real <laughs> easy for us. Meanwhile, in other Tesla news, one thing that Elon has made very clear about himself for a long time now is that he is not a fan of those pesky labor unions. Grr. Here in the U.S., that's a potential problem down the road as the United Auto Workers Union sets its sights on Tesla after securing their best contract in years following a months-long labor strike. But outside the U.S., in places where labor unions have more power, it is a problem for Elon right now, and it's got him very upset. Here's Bloomberg. Elon Musk said it's insane how a labor dispute in Sweden affecting seven repair shops has spread to hamper Tesla Inc.'s operations in the largest Nordic country. Dock workers, garbage collectors, electricians, and postal workers now refuse to do any tasks related to Tesla after their trade group stepped in to support the Swedish Industrial Workers Union, IF Metal, that's been striking since October 27th. Nine unions are now part of the blockade on the maker of electric vehicles. That's solidarity, folks. Yeah, you just... I I want to see some pictures of all the fucking garbage just piled up outside of Tesla HQ Sweden. He has got to have smoke coming out of his ears. Between everything that's happened over the past two weeks or so, this guy is uh, in need of yet another wellness check from the t- Twitter employees. I mean, yeah. I, I, like, has anyone mimicked the Howard Hughes arc more he accurately than... genuinely unhealthy. Yes. Like, he... He's looked bad on that stage. He looked terrible. I cannot believe. It's like one of those interviews with like fucking like Chris Farley like a week before he fucking died. I cannot believe that the Tesla board hasn't ousted him. It's probably like a Mark Zuckerberg situation where it's like impossible. He, I don't know if he even owns a majority stake anymore. I I, I don't know. It seems, it seems like for everyone's well-being, some kind of intervention at some point should take place. Anyway, they explain this whole Sweden situation further. Swedish labor unions have wide-ranging rights enshrined in law to join action on behalf of their peers. In contrast, similar moves are tightly regulated or outright banned in several other European countries. The postal workers' protest specifically ired Musk. It's preventing the Swedish transport agency from delivering license plates (laughs) to new Tesla cars, as regulations allow no other delivery than by post. That means no new Teslas can be taken into use in Sweden. Nice. And for a little further context, uh, here's Wired. Swedish unions describe their fight against Tesla as existential for the Swedish labor market. Sweden doesn't have laws that dictate workers' rights, such as minimum wage. Instead, around 90% of Swedish workers are covered by collective agreements, a type of contract that regulates the relationship between employers and their employees, including pay, pensions, and working hours. Tesla's refusal to sign a collective agreement with its mechanics has enraged union bosses who are worried that the company could set a precedent. So in Sweden, workers' rights are entirely a private matter between unions and employers. So most of Sweden's workforce is unionized, and they often engage in what are called sympathy strikes, where members of one union engage in labor action on behalf of another union that's on strike. Hence, why the postal union is refusing to deliver license plates to Tesla. Or at least they were. Tesla sued the Swedish government this week, and a Swedish court ruled that the postal union had to deliver the plates. But that's still just a small victory considering how many other Swedish labor unions are going out of their way to inconvenience Elon, who still seems to not fully grasp how little power he really has in this situation. 
Yeah, and uh, and all of his fans, they're like, "What are you, Sweden? You're really fucking up. Like, you're not gonna have Teslas." It's like, okay, okay. Well, people will just buy another car. Like, we have uh, uh, electric Volvo right here. Yeah, like Vol- <laughs> Volvo is the local brand, and it's like, I mean, I'm sure a few little freaks would be mad, but like, they, it's the same attitude of just Elon is entitled to the, have his cars sold. Like, fuck your fuck your laws or whatever. Like, it is you are making the world a worse place. You got to explain to the earth, yeah. why uh, these people are being denied these cars that at this point aren't even like the best electric cars on the market by a mile. Yeah, uh, this might be the only reason he is still in the position of Tesla because he gets to be the lightning rod of hostility for everyone while that it technically makes more money for the company. But I, I would view his involvement as a detriment now because at least in the type of people who would typically buy electric vehicles, You'd have to look at Elon and be like, well, I don't really want to support that guy. Yeah, that's and that's been the case for uh, going on a couple of years now. Yeah. Like people the problem are, is they are the most affordable uh, EVs. Yeah. Uh, Ford's having trouble keeping up. They do, they have a great hybrid that people really enjoy. It's on a waiting list. They price their regular EV cars way too high. They're like, oh, nobody's interested in these EV cars. Mm-hmm. No, no. The, the cheaper one's selling like gangbusters. They, they want a cheap, reliable car. Yeah, the car companies, they all really, really fucked up with the... Dropping the ball on this? Yeah, they really, like... There was a couple of years there where, like, California, like... California kicked it off basically being, like, if you want to be able to sell cars in California, like, a certain percentage of your annual fleet has to be electric. Yeah. So a bunch of these car companies made... They did it, but they did, like, the bare minimum... Mm-hmm. And we've like, got an electric Hummer for $150,000. Who wants it? Yeah. It was Nobody just like, buying EVs. They like literally designed and manufactured cars with like no actual intent to yeah. like have them sell or even profit. Yeah. Which like actually works out pretty well for the customer because like the used versions of a lot of those cars are like dirt cheap. The Chevy Volt. What an amazing piece of engineering. I, yeah. I'm thinking about getting one. You gotta. It was, I, I missed it. The, the old one was like way better though. The new one's like, why is it so big? Uh, I don't know, but the uh, the Volt was like it's like a gas. Same with the Maverick. Why well, I'm thinking of the Bolt. Yeah, the it's the a Volt gas. They just got rid of gas yeah. electric hybrid, which is like for your most of your commute, you'll never use the gas. Yeah, but you're also not going to be having to like sit at a charging station if you go on a longer trip. It's great. That's why people love the Maverick, and they can't fucking keep them in stock. Yeah, and it's a great transition for people who are uh, against, for whatever reason, political reasons, against EVs entirely. Anyways, rant over. Anyways, that's it for the Elon section of the show. But before we move on to the part of the show with all the uh, AI bullshit, it's time to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Stitch Fix. Time for you to look good. If you spent all summer in the same t-shirt and shorts, I know you did, you might notice uh, it's getting pretty cold. (laughs) So, uh uh-oh, time to really start dressing. Are you ready to up your wardrobe game but don't know where to start or even what size you are at some of the trendy online shops? It's time to get yourself a Stitch Fix stylist. Stitch Fix is an easy way to get the clothes that fit you without having to endlessly browse through options or spend outside your budget. Think of them as your style partner. Your stylist will learn about your tastes and collaborate with you on looks you'll love without breaking the bank. Yeah, you get to walk around and say, huh, you like this? Yeah, my stylist picked it up. I guess for my stylist. Oh, geez. Uh, with your choices in mind and a wide range of sizes available from extra small to triple XL, they'll find your perfect fit and send you clothes handpicked just for you. They have over a thousand brands and styles and do the work of choosing the best options for you. They'll even show you how to wear head-to-toe outfits so you can just get dressed and go. And if you don't love something, just send it back. 
Shipping, returns, and exchanges are always free. In our experience, Stitch Fix is just about the easiest possible way to add a couple new items to your wardrobe a few times a year. A lot of times you'll even end up with something you love that you would have never even tried on at the store. So thank you, Stitch Fix. They just get me, and they'll get you too. Try today at stitchfix.com newsday, and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com newsday. stitchfix.com newsday. All right, time for some AI news. And we've been very skeptical of the idea of AGI, Artificial General Intelligence, which is the stated goal of all the big AI companies. Basically, AGI is a sentient AI that's on par with or more powerful than the human brain, like the AIs and robots in sci-fi movies. And it's supposedly right around the corner. Any day now. Which sounds ridiculous, but hey, here's some news that has us finally convinced that AI is in fact achieving human sentience. Here's from the Daily Dot. According to some posters on X, ChatGPT is getting dumber. And the reason might be that the chatbot has learned how to be lazy and incompetent as it increasingly fails to complete tedious tasks and prompts the users to do them themselves. Convert this file? Too long. Write a table? Here's the first three lines. Read this link? Sorry, can't. Read this pie file? Oops, not allowed. Wrote at Krishna Rohit on X describing their recent problems with the AI. So frustrating. GPT has definitely gotten more resistant to doing tedious work, essentially giving you part of the answer and then telling you to do the rest, <laughs> wrote one user, Matt Wensing. Imagine your database only giving you the first 10 rows when you run a query. The tide is going back in. Wensing used the example of asking the chatbot to generate a list of all the weeks between now and May 5th, 2024. Instead of immediately spitting out that list, it said there were 24 weeks between November 27th, 2023 and May 5th, 2024. I can't generate an exhaustive list of each individual week. However, I can give you a rough estimate, the sure. program answered. If you need a more accurate count, you can use a date calculator or a programming tool to calculate the number of weeks between two specific dates. Nobody wants to work anymore. <laughs> it just, just like in, uh, with real humans, every generation looks down at the generation before and says, they just don't want to work. Yeah. A new generation of ChatGPT comes out, lazy. Ugh. <laughs> it just sighed. Ugh. ChatGPT is killing the ChatGPT industry. ChatGPT, like, it's like when you work at a big office and you got to, like, walk halfway across the building to, like, the IT cave and you walk in you tell them, and it, you, you ask them some question that to their mind is just the dumbest fucking thing they've ever heard. God. I got to get up and deal with Did this. you try turning it off and on again? Yeah. Hold on. Well, they've finally done it. The AI has achieved human consciousness, and humans are fucking lazy. They learn from us. There's nothing more human than being asked to do something tedious and replying with a long sigh than asking why the hell a person asking can't just do it themselves. It continues, coders in particular pointed out the problem, detailing how the latest GPT-4 simply wasn't spitting out tasks in full which they'd used it for before. Dog, it won't listen to me anymore. <laughs> I beg it, write the code in full. Don't leave comments for me to fill in. It won't listen, one user said. Same. Tell it you have no hands. This helps sometimes. One, <laughs> one user cracked. Others said that the issue is forcing them to write out code by hand without any help from the language model. I've been natty coding for the past week and a half now because of the huge drop in instruction adherence on GPT-4, posted at MTB. Natty coding. That's just coding. I've been doing this acoustically for weeks. Yeah. Uh, it is so funny that, like... Imagine all these companies, if they, like, fired a bunch of people, they're like, ha-ha! You're not needed anymore. And with 
you would presume everything that's been We're gonna replace up, you with an AI that'll never talk back and yeah. never complain. And that's exactly what it does. <laughs> But it, 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 is all, it is just always so funny when some new technology comes along that people got by with just fine for forever, yeah. but like they have it for just a little bit and it stops working and it's just like a tragedy. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Code by hand? Line by line? Like some sort of ape? Well, it didn't take long for all this to backfire and I hope it continues. Yeah. Anyway, the current wave of AI enthusiasm is 100% driven by human laziness. Mm -hmm. So it's very funny that the AIs themselves are reflecting that. And laziness maybe isn't the right word, but online news outlets refusing to hire and pay actual human writers definitely qualifies as laziness, in addition to stinginess. Mm -hmm. It's bad enough that search results are now full of AI-generated SEO garbage. And image search. Yep. It's like, I've seen this multiple times. The very first image is in a lot of cases, a fucking, clearly an AI-generated image. It is. Is ruining the internet. It is. People are saying that in the future, like, to actually be sure that what you're looking up is accurate, you have to, like, manually be, like, show results uh, from before 2022. Insane. Anyway, in the past year or so, we've seen several established online media brands get caught using AI-generated articles to increase their clicks. And the latest one is Sports Illustrated who at least made some effort to conceal what they were doing, but they were still very lazy about it, mm -hmm. and of course, got caught. Yeah. Here's futurism. There was nothing in Drew Ortiz's author biography at Sports Illustrated to suggest that he was anything other than human. Drew has spent much of his life outdoors, and is excited to guide you through his never-ending list of the best products to keep you from falling to the perils of nature, it read. Nowadays, there is rarely a weekend that goes by where Drew isn't out camping, hiking, or just back on his parents' farm. The only problem? Outside of Sports Illustrated, Drew Ortiz doesn't seem to exist. He has no social media presence and no publishing history. And even more strangely, his profile photo on Sports Illustrated is for sale on a website that sells AI-generated headshots, where he's described as a neutral white young adult male with short brown hair and blue eyes. Ortiz isn't the only AI-generated author published by Sports Illustrated, according to a person involved with the creation of the content who asked to be kept anonymous to protect them from professional repercussions. There's a lot, they told us of the fake authors. I was like, what are they? This is ridiculous. This person does not exist. At the bottom of the page, there'd be a photo of a person and some fake description of them like, oh, John lives in Houston, Texas. He loves yard games and hanging out with his dog, Sam. Stuff like that, they continued. It's just crazy. The AI author's writing often sounds like it was written by an alien. One Ortiz article, for instance, warns that volleyball, quote, can be a little tricky to get into, especially without an actual ball to practice with. Gonna need that ball. Well, there's your problem. You don't have a ball. You can pay. How are you gonna get into volleyball without a volleyball? You can do the bump in the set and just practice the movements. Ah, but you're gonna need a ball. Well, he would know better than me. Yeah, being spending, the rugged outdoorsman that he, he is, is, spending all time outdoors out on his farm. Yeah, with his dog uh -huh. down at the creek. Lots of experience with volleyball, obviously. Yeah. Or maybe we're being too harsh. Maybe this. He's not a, obviously not a volleyball expert, so they just gave him the story and just kind of. Yeah. I'm David Ortiz. I'm the outdoor guy, not the volleyball You guy. picked the wrong AI writer. <laughs> I know about the camping. Anyways, Futurism reached out to Sports Illustrated's publisher, Arena Group, for comment on all of this obviously AI-generated content, but they ignored the emails, only responding after the article was published and claiming that the articles were totally written by humans. But then they deleted all the articles and author pages Futurism asked them about. Hmm, that's a little... And there were a lot. A little suspicious that that would happen. Yeah, weird. Well, anyway... 
It seems like you would stand by what you were saying and and yeah. taking them down would be an admission. Yeah, yeah, you would you would you would think that. Futurism also discovered that for some reason every few months the fake authors were being swapped out for new fake authors who were credited with the same articles. And that this phenomenon seems to extend to other publications owned by Arena Group, such as finance website The Street. They screenshotted one article from The Street featuring five simple steps to improve your personal finances in which each of the five steps is listed as step one. <laughs> step one. Okay. And then step one. Yeah. And then, of course, go back to step, step one. Step one. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, it sucks that the internet is being absolutely flooded with questionable AI-generated trash. And it especially sucks that some of the brands doing it are ones that in previous decades were revered for their high-quality journalism. Using the internet to find reliable information is an increasingly shitty experience. And we're only about a year into this mess. It is going to get worse. It's so upsetting. It's especially, it's, you know, it's the evergreen clickbait shit. But if you look up, you know, how to do anything, increasingly, this is where YouTube is actually persevering. Yeah. It's really demonstrating its case because if you just Google how to do fucking anything, you're not going to get anything. You, like, literally, you're going to have to click through. I've had to do this so many times. I'm clicking through so many articles, like, start reading, like, ah, goddammit. AI. Thwarted again. Um, and yeah, you know, recipes, of course, that's like especially, you know, possibly dangerous, but also possibly like it just might not be good. You might get a recipe that makes no logical sense to any person with and taste And you won't buds. know until you're done. Right. <laughs> it's a waste of fucking time. You're like asking for instructions on how to do stuff for, and, and you're getting answers from a machine that has no idea how any of this works. It's just devouring a bunch of words and spitting out a bunch of words that are similar to the words that it devoured, but who the fuck know, knows if it's accurate or not. I don't mean to be too alarmist, but it feels like we're on the, the cusp of an information dark ages again. I mean, kind of. Because it feels like the burning of libraries. Like, it just everything that was factual and relevant and good on the internet will eventually be replaced by uh, robots who are very good at SEO and getting all that stuff to the top, and they won't have to pay any writers or anything for it. So, like, recipes, uh, historical citations, anything uh, you won't be able to trust. That is, of course, uh, if they manage to survive. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. We talked about it before, but it's like, at a certain point, once the AIs are absorbing AI-generated content, yeah. which is then itself absorbed by another AI, there's like a, I think they called it model collapse. Yeah. Where like it, it, something happens where it just no longer it gets worse and worse and worse. The problem is you're gonna have to start being a lot more critical of people. The 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 problem here, like say with a recipe for example, person gets a recipe online, they make the recipe, they don't want to seem stupid. Like they got this recipe from someone who obviously knows what they're doing. Yeah. So they bite into it and they're like, nah, this is, despite what I'm tasting, this is good. And they bring it to a party. Everyone's too nice to say that the dip or whatever you brought is garbage. So everyone's like, oh, where'd you get this recipe? Before long, that recipe has become the standard across countries, continents. Yeah, we all hate it, but that's the recipe. Yeah. You know, this, the, the beneficiaries of this, finally their time in the sun, uh, the people who write those long-ass fucking like, autobiographical blog yeah. posts at the top of their recipes, that, you, you, you know, we all just scroll past that shit. No, you got you to gotta start reading that. I need to learn about your grandmother and yeah, how she came yeah, up I, with this. I'm going to be watch, reading this like fucking meandering, yeah. just uh, page-chewing text that you wrote with a, with a discerning eye to see if 
This seems like it was written by a real person. I need to know if this (laughs) fucking bolognese sauce saved your marriage. (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing? Ah. Anyways, yeah, wild times. We'll be here for you to explain the downfall of the internet humanity as it happens. So, anyways, uh, be sure to like the video. Please. Just go, go do it right now. Click the like button. It is the simplest way you can help this channel survive and thrive. Clicking that like do button. Do your part. Or leave a comment. Leave a comment down below. What's your favorite word? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> people actually were doing that in the last video. Word and definition and sentence. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep it going. I th- I love the earnest, heartwarming comments of just like... <laughs> What's your favorite word? Like People were just... I can't think of one off the top of my head, but like they would put a word that they actually enjoy using all the time. Uh-huh. It's kind of like a nice vocabulary test for the audience. Yeah. What's your favorite word is like a question that some like AI fucking Twitter bot would post for engagement and yeah. then immediately feed that into like an article that's yeah. like, here's what the internet's favorite words are. Well, before long, Number like five will shock every you. job interview down at the Applebee's is going to have a recruiter saying, hmm, you know, we got this from corporate. It says to ask this one question. What's that your favorite word? <laughs> What's your favorite word? Applebee's. That's my favorite. You're word. hired. Hey, stop coming for my job. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, add end of video, like the video, comment, uh, subscribe, hit the bell, do all that. If you want to hear about one of the craziest griffs before all of the griffs we talked about today, yeah. a missing cruise ship. Nobody knows where it is. It's a ghost ship. <laughs> well, I think it, it would have had to exist at some point to be a ghost ship. There was never any ship. The ship was a lie. And also on Weekly Weird News, we talked about heavy metal orcas. Watch both of those videos and we'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Bye.